this is tw- that was 20 miles outside of Hanksville building into that so 10 miles out that's when the headwind starts and that's when you're really starting to kind of you know go into this mental state where you're kind of bonking slash talking to yourself and then the heat's kind of playing with you and it's three in the afternoon and you've been on the bike since four in the morning this is the adventure sports podcast where we talk to athletes adventurers and business owners from around the world of adventure sports whether you're climbing mount everest starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. You know, obviously, perception is a big way, is is really the biggest way we view the world. And, you know, I'm, I'm learning myself, like, you know, viewing something positive versus viewing something negative, no matter what the thing is, can totally change the outcome of my interaction with it by how I view it going into it. And um, talking to Andy for this interview really just taught me, like, man, this guy is so positive. Um, he, he has such a great demeanor. You can just tell he's got a smile on his face this whole time we're talking. And, and it's something that I realize I need more of in my life. And so I really appreciate talking to people like him, uh, which is often who we get to talk to on this show, just amazing people doing amazing things. And yes, they have these, these, Things that happen, you know, Andy's dad, you're going to hear, died of brain cancer not long ago. And that's something that can really destroy somebody. Um, but you can just tell that it, as best as a human can handle that, I, I, it seems like Andy's doing that. And I was just very impressed by his um, outlook in life, about his attitude towards everything. And, you know, every once in a while, someone just really sticks out like that. And so I, I appreciate you being on the show, Andy. Um, if you're listening to this. And also thank you, listener, for joining us on your Friday. I hope you're having a great week. I hope you have a good weekend planned, something exciting, hopefully something uh, adventure sports related. You know, if I had my way, all of us would be doing something like that this weekend. But anyway, thank you. Uh, And and thank you to all our new patrons. I know we haven't named you by name recently, but we're going to be doing that again soon. Um, it, it means the world when you decide to support us financially. I know that that is a big step for a lot of people. Um, and you don't realize how much $5 goes towards our operation. You know, I can't, my wife gets home and I'm like, someone's giving us $5 a month. I get pretty stoked about it. It really helps big time and helps validate what we're doing here at the Adventure Sports Podcast. So if you'd like to, um, it's in the show notes. I won't bug you with it. But I will bug you with our sponsors because, you know, this show happens because of sponsors. Um, Athletic Brewing, you've heard me say it time and time again the last few months. Makers of incredible non-alcoholic craft beer. You can still train. You can still um, keep your commitments and enjoy the taste of great craft beer without the effect of alcohol. Give them a shot. It's in our show notes as well. As well as CS Instant Coffee. Uh, we've got you covered on the beer side. Now we can cover you on the other side, the morning side, the coffee side. 
Um, CS Instant uh, has these little Steam Little Serve packets that you can take with you when you travel, camping, discount as well for them in the show notes. All right, folks. Also, apologize for the audio, audio quality of this intro. I'm actually recording it out of the cab of my truck because life's an adventure, and uh, you never know where you're going to end up the night before an episode release. So, <laughs> But it's fun. Um, again, thanks for listening in. Let's get into this. Welcome to the show. Uh, today we have, I think it's a first for me, uh, interview guest coming from Nigeria. He has done just an unbelievable amount of adventures, tons of trekking, some of the biggest and most famous treks in the world, the O-Trek, Everest Base Camp, all over the world, Patagonia, down in Patagonia, the John Muir Trail last year, and recently, cross-country bike trip that was from one extreme corner to the other, the northeast to the southwest, and uh, his name is Andy Stout. Andy, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Mason. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, so you're coming from Nigeria today, right? Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm down here visiting my mom. She's working as an educational missionary here with one of the local churches, and she's helping students to kind of help them get their English level up to a certain standard to hopefully pass tests to get into universities in the United States and mostly Western Europe. So it's pretty cool. Holy cow. How long have you been there with her helping? I will be here a total of two weeks. I've been here one week so far. I came down for Easter, and she's been here eight months, and she will be here a grand total of two years, which is pretty darn neat. Holy cow. Now, is she coming home during that time or she's out there? Well, her passport got stolen and it's a long story, but she might have to come home for a little bit, but she'll come back out to serve the full two years. So what's it like? What's it like being, you know, I know you're, you know, you're an adult, but it is your mother. What's it like seeing your mom, you know, travel around the world for multiple years at a time? Is it, is it tough on you or you proud of her? No. We oh super proud of my mom. It's awesome just coming here and seeing what she has going on. She's made a community of uh, friends here in the local area. She's this isn't new to her though. She had done the Peace Corps uh, right when she retired from teaching about I don't know under ten years ago. And she um, so this is like uh, it's just a new spot. And she's like you got to come hang out. So I, I actually visited her in China a couple of years back when she was there, and we we did some traveling around. And that's a whole other. A number of stories and too many funny things to share with you, but um, yeah, it's a, it's it's really fun, you know. And we share a lot of fun experiences and have a lot of good laughs together. So it's always a good time. You know, I, I read a little bit about your story beforehand, and it's no wonder to see where you got that bug of adventure and travel with your mom. Do it. I don't know. I just feel like when you become a parent, you're not allowed to do cool things anymore. But <laughs> that's obviously not true. <laughs> I love seeing parents, especially when their kids become adults, just saying, you know, I'm going to go do this. You know, you're, you're good to go now. Andy, you're grown. You're doing your own thing. I'm going to go do my thing. And I just, I just think that's really cool. I love it. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly what it is. Just like get out there. I remember it was, uh, studying in abroad. I was like 18 or 19 in Australia, first time away from home. And I called home uh, homesick. <laughs> and my mom says, uh, you know, six months in, she's like, well, um, why don't, why don't you stay for a year? It wasn't like, you know, most moms would be like, oh, you should, you should come, you should come back, you know? And then <laughs> just, she's like, oh, stay longer. Uh, it was pretty funny. 
Oh man, that is that. Well, we need more parents like that, to be honest. You know, rather than just saying, "I got the bed ready for you," there's a warm cup of milk. Just come on home whenever you're ready. No, stay out there and do an adventure, and you're gonna grow from it. That's awesome, man. I love that. But totally. well, dude, you're like a serial adventurer. You you've done just tons of treks, climbed a bunch of mountains, a bunch of fourteeners, um, some long distance uh, trails. Uh, could you tell us, like, what what is your background? Where are you from? And is this something that your parents did with you as a kid? Yeah, so from San Diego, California. I moved there when I was three, so I claim it as home. <laughs> I was born in Pittsburgh, and uh, that was part of my cross-country bike ride. I revisited home uh, or my birthplace. But my dad actually, uh, my dad grew up on the west side of the Sierras, and he used to go up there in his late teens, early 20s, and then throughout his adulthood as well, before he had uh, kids, and then he would take us up there with the Sierra Club groups up in the Sierra, so mostly on the east side of the Sierras. And we did these uh, Sierra, like our, our summer vacations were a week-long Sierra Club trip where the donkeys, the mules, the pack trains would take in a lot of gear. I don't know if you've ever, ever seen that on the, the east side. There's all these different pack stations, which wow. is pretty cool. Um, and then they would drop you off, and you're with a number of other families, and you have a little base camp. And you just live out there for a week. It's really, uh, it was really cool. It opened my eyes up to the Sierras and had it introduced me to, to hiking. And of course, when you're a kid, we had a joke. It was called the long, hot, dusty trail. And you know, you hate it. You hate your parents for bringing you up there. You're like, this is the worst thing ever. And then by the time you're about 18 or 19, you start being like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. Um, and so when I was about, I think it was 19, my dad and I did our first backpack together, just him and I up to Doozy Basin up over Bishop Pass on the east on the, on the east side there and that was when you start kind of realizing hey hold on there's like a whole other can of worms here like you know opening up real backpacking to me it wasn't these base camp things and it was like you got to carry in all your own stuff and um and then that's that's just kind of a what do they call it? like a ball of yarn it kind of just unraveled <laughs> i got a got a, a a really a amazing group of friends in san diego and, and around the world but my our group in san diego it's constantly we have a couple group texts going and it's always it's always something else. What's next? What's next? What hike? What are they getting into? A couple of the boys are talking about doing Ritter right now um, up over near Thousand Island Lake outside of Mammoth. And um, I, I don't know. It's just like the, the season's begun for hiking and climbing. So you get all of these. Your, your calendar starts filling up quick, at least with ideas and plans, um, and then kind of seeing where that goes from there. So that was kind of, I guess, my intro of how I started at least getting into the mountains and adventuring a bit. And then my mom as well, also traveling around the world and um, kind of following her lead on that. So I've been traveling internationally a lot as well, always being pushed to study abroad or I don't know, go, you got a passport, use it, right? So might as well go see something. It sounds like you've definitely taken that advice and run with it. Um, but yeah, I know this time of year is when all the friends start texting and you fit in everything you can because the days are getting longer. It's warming up. Trails are thawing out. It's exciting. I'm I'm stoked about this summer, but uh, and I know you are too. But man, so so you know what you went and did some of these big treks around the world. Uh, why those treks? Is it just a, a kind of bucket list items? Is it something you just really really wanted to do? Was there a a reason for choosing the places you went? Well, so currently I'm on this trip. Um, I'm two two months, two and a half months in. It was a three month trip. At the time, I was applying for jobs, and I mean, probably a lot of the listeners and yourself probably been there too. You're kind of just spinning your wheels. You're waiting for applications to come in. You're 
you know, I, I can tell you about it later. I'm trying to start my own little business with uh, some hiking ideas and some traveling ideas, Heck yeah. you know, and you're just kind of at loose ends. And it was actually really funny. I keep on joking about it with this trip. I was meeting some other travelers because I'm doing this whole trip by myself. I've met a couple of friends along the way, but in San Diego, I was just doing an annual checkup with a doctor and he's chatting to me and he's like, Oh, how are you? What are you up to? And <clears throat> I told him, Oh, I'm thinking about doing this trip around the world to all these spots that I've always dreamed about. He's like, look, Andy, you either have time and no money or money and no time. But if you have both, <laughs> you better go. Um, cause at the moment, you know, it's like, yeah, my friends are joking. It's like, cause a lot of my friends are married, have kids, have a mortgage and, and these things. And, I don't. So I have this freedom at the moment. And I also had a lot of airline miles saved up. So I kind of ran with the doctor's advice and uh, used some airline miles and booked kind of all these places that were really just names to me. And you would see photos and you would hear about it from other friends and travelers like Patagonia, right? You know, you always hear about it and you hear how incredible it is. And I'm like, well, what, what's going on down there? I want to go check it out. And then did a little research into it and found out about the O-Trek and I'm like, Hey, I could do that. You know, after you kind of do one larger hike, kind of like the JMT, it kind of gives you that confidence to go forward and just get ready for more hikes. You know, you got that kind of mental, I don't know, just, you know, if you have a hard day, you're like, well, I've had harder days in the past. Let's push through it. We're going to be good. And, um, so Patagonia, and then I'd always dreamed about Nepal. And so I headed off, uh, to Nepal straight from Patagonia and um, my friend Megan, actually, she had hiked this, uh, it's called the Three Pass Trek up near oh, yeah. Everest Base Camp. It's a series of passes getting you over towards Everest and a few of the smaller peaks, which are still quite large uh, in terms of United States sizes, not not up in Alaska. But she, I, I had heard her talk about it quite a few times, and um, she introduced me to the guide she had. And the guy was a really incredible guide, and he, he kind of took me around and um, showed me like the passes, the conditions were pretty intense. Like it, it, it was early in the season. So we had a lot of snow and I didn't know the mountains or that region at all. So I figured it was the smartest thing for my own safety to actually have a guide on that. But in Patagonia, I just kind of ran solo uh, meeting other hikers along the way. And then from there, I'd always dreamed about doing Kilimanjaro. And so I was actually sitting in Nepal at a cafe after a completion of my hike, had a couple of days between that and flying out down to Africa to Tanzania. And I, I was all set, you know, it was going to be these three big hikes that I'd always dreamed about and, uh, had the money set aside, had all the research done. And, uh, April is one of the worst months to do Kilimanjaro as I found out. And the weather was playing out to a T. It was just really, really bad. And so it was that the monsoons are coming in. So it's just moisture kind of slamming, you know, it's just shy of 20,000 foot right. peak and it's just creating a lot of really bad clouds and snow and precipitation. So I decided to call it. I was like, you know, Kilimanjaro is going to be there another day. I can save the $2,000 or roughly whatever it costs. And cause I, I wouldn't have seen much, it'd be all clouds. So you could have summited, but it wasn't, it wasn't really my thing. So ended up going to some other places in Tanzania that I had always dreamed about like Zanzibar then checked out that island, which was absolutely beautiful. And the, the goal was to come visit my mom. And then the miles would only allow me to get to Dar es Salaam, which is on the east side of Africa. And I needed to get some connecting flights over to Nigeria, where she's living. And it was actually really expensive to fly internally in Africa. So I found a connecting flight via Cairo. So I built in a three-day layover and checked out the pyramids and um, actually crawled inside a pyramid and I got really claustrophobic. I never really realized how <laughs> crazy it could be climbing inside <laughs> one of those things. 
it, it, it's it's straight down and you're you're just imagining you know these are thousands of year old buildings you're like is it going to hold up it's going to be obviously it was fine but it definitely started to play with my mind a little bit climbing below this pyramid <laughs> which pyramid was it oh gosh the the name is it's it's one of the southern ones it wasn't the big one um trying to look it up but um I, I actually I posted it on my Instagram. <laughs> it was uh, it's down near the kind of southern part near Memphis, and there's a pyramid down there that somebody the architect had built at a 52 degree angle and a 42 degree angle. And when the king saw that, that uh, he paid with his life because that was uh, <laughs> the, obviously the incorrect way to build that pyramid, the wrong angles. But it was next to that guy. It was a different name. It wasn't up in Giza, and it wasn't down in Luxor. So it was uh, one of the different ones. Uh, but just a really neat three-day layover, and it's actually been really nice. My mom and I have just been here about a week now. She has this; she's living on a, a kind of, I guess you'd call it a compound here at the Church of the Brethren. It's called the EYN, and uh, the people are exceedingly nice, uh, amazing food, surprisingly spicy. Uh, we're kind of walking around, and just she's showing me everything here in town, meeting people. I'm going to actually give a talk here in a local class in a few days. Uh, about the bike ride and kind of the geography of the United States, which will be a lot of fun sharing uh, that experience with the students here in Nigeria. That sounds fantastic. You know, I, I know you probably hear it a lot and hate to say it because I know I did once in a lifetime experience. But as I'm learning, like your doctor said, uh, life changes. This might be the only chance you have to do this, or it might be the only time you want to because. Yeah. As you get older, I'm sure that doctor, you know, you just have things happen. Parents get older, people get sick, responsibilities creep up out of nowhere. And it's not like it's, you know, soul crushing. It's what you want to do. But that time and that perfect storm of doing something like this, it's awesome. I'm glad you took it. I'm glad you're taking it and see where it's going to lead because, you know, it's you're never going to regret doing what you've done so far. That's awesome. Exactly. Those are exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, it's been it's been a wild ride, um, and then it's not even over from here. I just the last couple of days I just finished planning. I'm doing five days in Jordan to do some kind of hiking, and I'm kind of healing uh, my right foot. It's pretty funny. I mean, it's kind of silly. And then after doing all the hikes in Patagonia and uh, kind of the Everest region, and then I'm walking down the street in Kathmandu and I twist my ankle. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's on like you know an uneven an uneven street. You know you're. You can make it over all these trails and all this stuff. And then that happens. So I've been recovering from a, a twisted ankle. Uh, I just want to take it easy. So I'm looking forward to Jordan and I hope it feels okay. I would love to do some trail running or definitely some hiking when I get there. So I've been looking up some fun trails in the region and Petra. And then there's a couple of other pretty neat trails just north of there that I want to check out. Last summer, um, I know you've done lots of treks and we didn't even talk about the John Muir trail yet, which is like on tons of people's bucket lists here in this States. Um, you, you jumped on a bike for quite a while to do a, a 5,000 mile route from Maine to, to home in San Diego. And I know that you did it for your father who ended up passing away from brain cancer, um, can you talk about where that idea came from and why you decided to jump on the bike rather than continue, you know, the the trend of, of your uh, hiking adventures like you were doing before? Yeah. So actually, I started biking. I worked for a few different guiding companies. They're U.S.-based companies, but they, they kind of run trips different parts of the world. And I, I had quite a bit of a good knowledge of cycling and 
uh, I, I felt kind of fell in love with it with road biking. And I, I was working that job for a while and I realized, gosh, I've been ho- away from home for almost five years, like living, working, uh, uh, mostly all in Europe. And then, um, you know, things happen, you know, my, my dad passed away from brain cancer. We kind of found out he got sick. It was drawn out over the three year period. And I kept on working after that, but just something wasn't right. I was looking for closure. And so I, I was thinking, what, you know, there's something I could do. So I, I decided that, you know, I'd saved up some money. I decided to step away from work for a while just to kind of reconnect with friends and family back in San Diego and kind of, kind of reset, I guess you could call it, kind of reset, kind of think about, you know, what, what's really important, you know, instead of just aimlessly traveling or just working without a, a purpose. And, um, you know, it's funny, I, I never really knew about it when I was younger, but my, my dad and my stepmom, cause he had remarried back when I was a little kid, um, they, they, he had always dreamed about biking across the United States and she was going to drive a, a, a truck with like a little camper van and she was going to be the, the sag wagon. And then he was going to go across. I had no idea what route he was going to do because he never really shared it with me, but I learned about it. You learn about a lot about a person after they pass away. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. And I, and I heard him mention that a little bit, you know, when we were younger, but it was never something, it was one of those things that was just like, Oh, you know, maybe do it next year, maybe another time. And, and then time, time ran out, you know, um, glioblastoma happened and we lost him about three years ago now. So it just, it just was this, I don't know, you've probably had it happen to you. And I've listened to a number of your, your own personal stories, but you have a, a calling, you know, you're just like, Oh, I, I I'm just going to bike. I'm going to bike for him. You know, like it just made sense. I had no idea what route he was going to do or anything, but since I'm living in San Diego and that's the most Southwesterly point in the continental U S I decided to pick, I looked on a map. I had no idea about Maine. I just looked as far as I could look, um, on the Canadian border with the Atlantic. And, uh, that's where I was going to start. I had to start up there. And, but I, I wanted to raise awareness doing it, not just going to do it under the radar. So I started to go fund me. My goal was to raise $10,000 before or by the completion of the ride and ended up with the support of friends, loved ones, um, People I didn't even know just around the world. Like I, I, a lot of support came in. It was amazing. I actually raised uh, just over, I think it was about over twelve thousand dollars before I even left on the GoFundMe. And uh, I used that money to go towards, as you know, you've done quite a bit of cycling and traveling. It's kind of expensive, you know. You gotta you gotta get the gear. I, I had never toured before. I, I I had cycled a lot, but I had never yeah. toured. And I'm like, well, since I've, I've backpacked a lot and I've traveled alone a lot by myself and I've biked a lot, it's kind of just combining all three of those because you're, you're alone by yourself on the bike and then you camp at night and you kind of know how much to eat and you, you learn as you go, you know, day to day on the bike, you would learn, you're like, oh, that doesn't work. This does work, you know, kind of that. So it was um, reaching out to a lot of really really cool companies. Uh, my friend's little brother works for specialized. So he got me in touch with one of their PR people and she was able to give me uh, an incredible deal on a lot of the equipment that I needed. And that, that got me set up equipment wise. And then was able to get a good flight with Delta over to, to Maine. And then I used, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of bike flights, but they're, they're a pretty amazing company and they ship my stuff over to Maine. And, uh, there's a local bike shop in San Diego that, over in Coronado called Holland's bikes and they got behind it and they helped me out with a lot of stuff too. Uh, Joe and the whole team there was just amazing. So with this, it was like a, so much support behind me. It was incredible. I mean, I did the whole thing, uh, I guess it was by myself technically, you know, as I was on the road, but 
I, I had such a, a fun following. I would do an Instagram story every day and, um, you know, you'd have all these supportive comments coming in. I, I had my, my phone attached to my handlebars. There's a little thing like a little quad lock or something. You just pop it on your handlebars and, you know, and you're getting messages like, Oh, that's awesome. Keep going. You know, and it was just really, it was a lot of fun because you would have these moments. And I just listened to your death Valley podcast this morning with my mom. Actually, we were having a coffee. And we were just like holding on to the edge of our, our seats, like, oh my God, what's happening there with that French guy? But, you know, um, just uh, really, really neat. You know, you're out there by yourself, but you're not really because, you know, you have all your friends and family behind you. Athletic Brewing is pioneering non-alcoholic craft beer. Yeah, I said non-alcoholic craft beer. And there's a number of reasons you might want to do that. Whether you're training for an event, which a lot of our listeners are, or, you know, if, you, if you're babysitting and don't want to be drunk in case something happens. I mean, stuff happens, but you still want to sit down and enjoy the game and have a beer. This is an incredible option for a full-flavored, full-bodied beer. Each can is only 50 to 70 calories. With IPA, golden ales, stouts, and tons of seasonal offerings, Athletic Brewing is a great option if you want that craft brewery taste. Uh, but not deal with the effects of alcohol itself. Uh, if you'd like to save 15% on your first order, go to athleticbrewing.com and use the code ADVENTURE at checkout. That's awesome. Now, we don't get to talk to a lot of people that we, we mentioned. They're both sides of the adventures, but since you have since you are someone who's done some long distance hiking and bike touring for you. How, how did this bike tour different uh, differ? Because I, I have some experience with true hiking, but not nearly as much as the touring. And I, I absolutely love bike touring. I think it's a great way to travel. And like you said, you're not really ever alone. You are on roads. You, you do interact with a lot of people. How did it differ for you versus those, uh, those hiking experiences? I would say the biggest difference. So the bike touring, you're, you're, you know, you're around civilization, you know, hiking, John Muir Trail, you could maybe be really out in the wilderness. If something did happen, yeah, somebody would probably come along in the next day, or you might have a little Garmin mini that you could send like an SOS from, but, uh, you're, you're pretty out there in the wilderness. And then on the biking, you know, you're going to stop into a little store or you're going to stop at a diner and have a chit chat with, you know, uh, maybe one of the waitresses, whoever's working there or the bartender at the place where you, uh, where you stop in the evening. And, uh, or if you've ever used warm showers, which is kind of like, uh, what is it? Couch surfing, but for, yeah, for, yeah, for, 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 yeah. And so you're, you're constantly sharing these stories. And I found, cause I was covering such a, like a cross section of our country. It was really fun to kind of see it literally unfold in front of your eyes you know, you're up in Maine and uh, you're getting sleeted and hailed on and it's cold and you're, you're next it is beautiful peninsulas on the Atlantic. And then you start kind of cutting in and you get into the White Mountains and you're seeing the topography change in front of you. So you're going slow enough, but you're still covering quite a bit of ground, you know, and you look back six days, two weeks, you're looking on a map. I did everything on Strava because that's kind of nerd out on all that. But you're like, I'm already in Ohio, or you kind of just see this sense of progress, I guess, going across the States a little, a little differently than uh, backpacking. I, I feel like if you go by yourself, you can really get inside your own head in a good way. And it's kind of very meditative, but sometimes on the road, you know, you have a, you have trucks flying by you or um, anything, you know, any number of things happening. 
Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 traffic is definitely an issue if you're uh if you're on some main some main uh roads that that connects to decent sized cities. <laughs> um, but so so what was the experience for you? You know that that is a long experience. It's a lot of pedaling. You know, as far as the process of you dealing with your 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 father's passing and having that trip focus on that and having to think about that every day. What was that experience like for you? Did, did you get a chance to tell people about it? I know that you usually have cell phone service out there, so you're able to, you know, post to social media quite a bit um, and keep people connected and really build up a uh, kind of a following, really, but for the experience. Um, how was that for you? Was it helpful? Yeah, extremely helpful. It definitely helped with the closure, uh, with, with closure of losing my dad and you know, he was like, there was moments that were very serendipitous, you know, like there's, um, I mean, I'll give you one example. I was in Ohio and it was a long day and I'll tell you, I don't know if you've ever been to Eastern Ohio, but it's a lot hillier than you I would expect. It's <laughs> one state that I have not biked through and yeah, I can imagine it. It looks hilly. Oh, uh, it was so hilly. I came in, uh, I think I came in from West Virginia and I'm like, oh, it's going to be an easy day. You know, I'm just going to cruise. And all of a sudden, you know, you look at your elevation gain at the end of the day, over maybe a hundred mile ride and you've done something like 5,000 feet of gain or 6,000 feet of gain, which is huge on a touring bike. And I, you know, you're pooped and all you could think about is getting to your campsite. So I had this campsite in my crosshairs. I'm coming up and out of nowhere, this minivan, just, you know, just some angry road rage driver that hates bikers. And I learned quickly, there's, there's, there's some people out there just don't like bikers. So he's flipping me off and swerves at me. And that kind of just put me in a bad mental state. You know, you've already had a really long day. And so anyways, I stop at this little gas station and I was, getting, I was grabbing a beer for the evening. I always reward myself after each day. It was like, all right, you get one beer, you minimum, you know, <laughs> one beer at night and then you get dinner and then your shower and in bed. And then <laughs> that's awesome. And then, <laughs> and then I was, uh, and then every morning, you know, I was get some juice, get some like, a banana or whatever, get, get that going. So I was buying kind of a couple supplies cause it was pretty hot out. You didn't want to carry too much food with you cause it was going bad pretty quickly. And um, I started chatting with this guy out front. He's like, oh, where are you going? You know, I mean, typically you see a person in spandex with a big bike. It has all this stuff on it. You get a lot of interesting looks, you know. And so this guy starts chatting with me. He's like, oh, I'm a local mountain biker. I just came back from a ride. And anyways, he ended up shaking my hand and he gave me 20 bucks and a $20 handshake. And I was like, that is so cool. Like, and it just wow. changed my perception. So it just had some guy yelling at me in a minivan, trying to hit me off the road. This guy gives a $20 handshake. And then talking about serendipity, like this kind of moment. I go to this campground and I, I pull up and I walk into this, you know, it's one of those kind of really big RV campgrounds. There's a big community pool and all this stuff. And all the, all the old boys are there playing uh, poker. And they, they all look at me like, what are you doing? Like they're interrupting my poker game. Cause it was kind of later in the night. You know, it was about, it was a long day. I got there about 7 PM and <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I'm just looking for a place to put my tent. If that's cool. And he's like, I'll just wait outside. So I'm waiting outside. And the guy that runs the campground comes out to me and he goes, all right, man. So you could either use the you know campsite over there. It's just a you know little patch of dirt and a table, which is totally fine for twenty bucks. You get to use the shower and all that. Or I could give you this cabin over there. It's usually one twenty, but I'll I'll give it to you tonight for twenty bucks. Holy <laughs> cow! For real. <laughs> and, and it was so cool because just moments later or earlier, I'm sorry, this guy gave me a twenty dollar handshake. You know, so it's just everything just had a way of. Uh, working out and you're talking about kind of dealing with, you know, losing my dad and just thinking about things. I'm like, there's a moment right there. I'm like, I'm pretty sure my dad was looking out, you know, or just something right there, you know, it was just maybe yeah. if you want to differently, but 
and there's so many beautiful moments like that with that's one that always kind of stands out in my mind i don't know that's so cool how that stuff like that happens all the time though when you put yourself out there um yep do you do, does that type of stuff happen on the long distance trails as, as much you know i i I had a few moments on the O track recently. I, I tried to do, it was my first long distance track. I didn't want to bring a stove because my, this entire three months I'm doing on the, all these different locations around the globe, I'm only doing carry on. I didn't want to risk checking anything in because some of the connections are so tight. I didn't want to have a bag get lost. So everything's carry on doing really light. And I didn't want to bring a stove in the chance that uh, they wouldn't let it through security. And I know you can't bring the fuel and you could typically buy it at the beginning of these famous trails. So I just left it behind and I was doing all cold food. So just bars, you could cold soak, couscous, cans of tuna, peanut butter, stuff like that. But uh, you're talking about people being really nice on the trail. There was other hikers out there that were carrying maybe too much food. And people would see me with my cold couscous and can of tuna and they would be like, hey, man, you, are, you, you, want, you want something? <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure. I mean, I don't want to take your food. Like, whatever. If you have something extra, that's cool. But otherwise, I'm fine. You know, it's all good. <laughs> Gosh, I just love it. It's that's probably my favorite aspect. You you build this framework for what you want the experience to be. Like you know, I'm gonna bike from Maine to California for my father um, because that's what he always wanted to do. And you have no idea that there's gonna be someone that gives you twenty dollars one day, and then someone's gonna knock a hundred dollars off the price of a cabin that same day. And you're going to have this story that you just could never have foreseen. And man, that's what I just love about these trips. You you think you know what it's going to be like, but you have no clue. You have no clue what a place is going to be. You had no idea that the that side of Ohio was so hilly. Like it's just so many unexpected things. And you just basically put all these ingredients together and, and it creates adventure. And then you have stories and then it's just, they change your life, man. That's so awesome to hear. Exactly. And that's I mean, it's going the, back to exactly what you were saying earlier with, you know, what was it like between hiking or this? I mean, everything, I guess, both epic in their own ways and just so different. Every day is so different. You have you wake up with one thing in your head. I, I woke up one morning in the White Mountains. This is probably my seventh day in. And I, I used to joke around like my, back home. My friends and I will go on a bike ride in the morning. We'll call it a coffee ride in the evening or the afternoon. We'll call it a beer ride. So you th- you typically stop for a beer somewhere and then, or in the morning, the coffee. So it was the morning. I'm like, I'm going to have a night. It was a nice 60 mile day. I'm going over a famous section of the road called the Kank or the Kangamangas highway in the white mountains. And, and I'm like, this is going to be such a perfect day. I'm going to stop for a coffee. Da, 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 da. I'm going to take photos eight miles in <laughs> crank arm falls off. I don't have that little special tool, that little star tool to get it back on. Oh my gosh. Meanwhile, a storm's rolling in, and I have a woman waiting on the other side with warm showers that is prepared to take me in for the night. So everything's unraveling. You know, I had this perfect day in my head. <laughs> um, so I had to bike back down the hill uh, to this bike shop. And luckily, I mean, they were an amazing bike shop. They were in North Conway, uh, New Hampshire, and they, they got the crank arm back on and kind of got everything going again for me, which was great. Um, the bike shops across the United States, I stopped in whenever I could. Cause I know a bit about bikes, but I was like, you know what? Just, I want a professional eye on this. <laughs> like, how's the chain look? How's everything? Um, but so by the time I got back on the road and I made it over the Kangamangas highway, it was straight up hailing and raining cars are driving by and they're just looking at you like, you're just <laughs> like, what are you doing? 
And uh, I get down to the other side of the highway and there's a little subway, you know, subway sandwich place. And it's, I, I go in there and I call this, this lady and she's so nice. And she goes, I'm coming to get you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, cause she was an hour away, you know, like a good 30 minute drive on mountain wow. roads. And, and I'm like, no, 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 like don't, don't come get me. This it's too far. And the problem is you got to take me back here tomorrow morning. Cause I can't cut out any miles. Right. And so yeah. I was like in, and so I had budgeted and I, I, I was trying not to use hotels, but there were some moments where, you know, you're soaked to the bone and you're cold and you're like, you know what? I'm not camping tonight. <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm going to get a cheap hotel or talk to somebody local and try to sleep at their house or something. So I was going to do that. But this woman was great. She drove out, got me at the subway, drove me back to her house, fed me an amazing meal, had pancakes in the morning, drove me back to the subway in the morning. And then as I was riding, I rode by her house later that day. It was on my route. And um, she was out on her own ride. And we were crossing paths. So we stopped and we got a photo together. And it was just such a cool thing. I'm like, this is so neat. You know, just New Hampshire. I never would have thought. And I'll never forget that. There's just no way to know that would happen before your trip, man. That, but but those moments, I don't know about you, it, it, stuff like that totally un, undoes every you know, years and years of building up how awful the world is can be just stripped away with an experience like that. And I think that's one of the biggest things we see with people that do adventures. They realize a lot of times just how wonderful wonderful people are out there even if they have a bad experience we we do feature a lot of people that like were kidnapped or something crazy happened that was really really terrible but it's usually drowned it's i mean that's sensational of course but it's drowned out by the amount of the the overwhelming amount of wonderful people there are out there at the same time right totally i i fully agree and like i you know you you've cycled a lot you know you i mean talking about the bike ride at least um, you know, like that, that individual in the minivan. And that was kind of early on in my trip. And I was like, wow. And you kind of take it to heart. And then after a while you start realizing you're like, no, oh, that's just a person that's not happy in their life. <laughs> you know? And you're like, yeah, exactly. I'm gonna, you're, you're like, I'm going to let that one go. Um, I, I had some pretty interesting experiences in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I don't want to bad talk Pittsburgh, but I had a pizza delivery guy and he's yelling words at me that, <laughs> And, you know, I'm biking in my bike lane, you know, I'm, I'm following the rules. I'm going like, you know, five miles an hour on my touring bike through a city. You know, I'm not doing anything crazy. <laughs> and, um, this pizza delivery guy just let me have it. He just like, I won't say anything on here cause <laughs> it's not appropriate. And then, you know, about 10, 20 minutes later, I had a, an ambulance driver literally almost, he, he tried to door me. And, uh, that was probably the most, the crazy, one of the crazier things that I remembered from the trip. I was like an ambulance driver in the city of Pittsburgh tried to door me on my bike. I mean, he's trying to like get business. I would have been on the ground for sure. He would have had to put me in the ambulance. <laughs> that must've been a slow day. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. You know, and so I was going to stay with family friends cause I was born in Pittsburgh, as I mentioned, and I was trying to go back and see where my, my home was, where my parents lived when they had me. And my, we, we have family friends that still live across the street. Uh, and this woman that lives there, the Haney's, they're amazing, amazing, uh, family. She, she, I told her the story and she's like, Oh no, that's not going to stand. And she, she, she's like connected in the community and she ended up making a few phone calls. She's like, you're going to get a phone call in a few days. So by then I was in Louisville, Kentucky and I got this phone call from Pittsburgh and it was the head of, I don't know, I can't remember her exact title, but it was a woman in charge of kind of all the ambulance drivers and dispatch. 
she's like, if you know, I gave her a full testimony over the phone and I knew exactly where I was because I was using Strava. And I'm guessing they knew exactly where that driver was because they used GPS on the ambulance. And she's like, if we find this guy, trust me, he's not going to have a job anymore. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Dang. I never heard back. But, um, yeah, I was just going to let it go, you know, because what are you going to do? And you got to focus on your next day and you're just day after day biking. So, but uh, that was, that was a pretty wild experience in, in itself. But talking about bad things versus good, you know, you just let that one go. I had an experience like that with a cop in, uh, near new Orleans. Okay. I, I broke down. I, my bike just was like falling apart. I hit this huge pothole and I was stuck in the, on this bridge, but I was in this really precarious spot and I couldn't go anywhere. It was uh dark. I was just stuck on this little, little spot to hide on this bridge. And this cop chewed me out. He was so mad about me being there he was like, who in their right, I mean, he was saying expletive after expletive, but he was like, who in their right mind would want to ride a bike across country, you idiot? And I was like, dude, people do this all the time. Like, this is not, he was, it was pretty backwoodsy. So he was just okay. never seen anything like it. And I told my wife, about, I didn't think much of it, honestly. I mean, you get people yelling at you and stuff and oh my gosh, I thought she was going to drive down to New Orleans trying to find this guy. But it, it was just funny. It's just the unexpected. And now that's not, you know, it doesn't always go so swimmingly when people get upset. But um, it is rare, but it does stick out when it happens. But uh, man, that's so cool. So you, you, you saw some family along the way and you, I'm sure you just, did, did you ever see that look in people's eyes when you told them, when, when they realize, like, I just bite here from here, from Maine, I come to see you <laughs> on this yeah. little bike that I can just, you know, push right into your house, you know, into your garage, <laughs> a little tiny thing. I came here from 300 miles away or 1,000 miles away. Did you ever did you ever see that or have that experience with people? Oh, my gosh. Like, more times than not. And a lot of times with strangers, um, <laughs> I remember entering into the Grand Canyon, and I, I think you were there as well. I think you mentioned in your podcast, but um, it, it, it was actually really funny. It was like a moment of bike over car, you know. And I'm not against cars, you know, but like it was just I pulled up. You know, you have to show. I had a, a national park pass right, last yep, year, yep. And, and so I, I pull up to it, and this woman, uh, the park ranger, was just so intrigued, and she's like, "Wait a second, wait, you've come how far? And what did you do this morning? And da da da." And we. She and I was trying to like I kind of looked behind me and there's a line of cars, you know, going into the South Rim. It's busy, you know, oh, middle yeah. of summer. And she didn't care about the car. She just wanted to chit chat. And I was like, hey, if you want to talk, I'll talk, you know. <laughs> and so we we talked for like ten or fifteen minutes. And you know, obviously nobody honked or anything. But I was that was kind of a moment where like talking about people that are just like, what what are you doing, you know? <laughs> it was pretty cool. I love it. I love I love stuff like that. It is it is intriguing. I remember one time this guy saluted me. He was a he was a veteran. I'm not a veteran. He saluted me. He's like because I was doing it for a cause, and I was like, that is oh, yeah. that's not called for. But I appreciate it, man. And I, and I thanked him for his service. But uh, it's just the reactions of people. It it, it it's definitely the gamut. Uh, we talked to a guy not long ago that tours by paraglider. Wow, he'll fly across you know, 500 miles of mountains and then just fly down into a town and he looks like a backpacker, but with a freaking a, a wing above him and he f just flies down to this gas station, resupplies his peanut butter and a couple snacks and then just flies out of there. And he, what? the reactions that he gets is, 
they're priceless, man, because people are like, you, you do what now? You, you, what? You just fly around the country with this wing? And he's like, yeah, I can travel with it. And it, it's just mind blowing. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. People, some people just don't have any reaction and others are just completely dumbfounded. You, you, like they saw a ghost. It's, it's fun. It's fun to be the catalyst for all that. It's so fun. I, and the little kids, I always loved it. You know, you'd come somewhere, you know, would stay at a warm showers house and the little kids would be like asking questions or, you know, I, I think I was uh, in Vermont and I came out and this little kid was sitting there guarding my bike. I, I went in and, you know, there's nobody there and I, I was filling my water bottles up somewhere and they come out and this little kid sitting there. <laughs> He's just guarding my bike. And I'm like, Hey man, how are you doing? He's like, just looking after your bike. Man. I was like, okay, thank you. That's you know, awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was really funny. Cute kid. Oh man, that is too funny. So, so, so when you got to San Diego, man, what, uh, what was that experience like? Were people there waiting on you? Did you have anything lined up? So here it, it was actually, so a lot of emotions and, but it, the funny thing was, and then, so people always say, if you're going from the East to the West, you're going the wrong way across the country because you got a prevailing headwind going against right. you. Um, and I kept on joking around, well, but I'm going from Maine to San Diego, so I'm going downhill, you know? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, and I was, um, I guess a lot of people go West to East and I decided to go, I, I wanted to end at home because it was like the carrot on the end of the stick, you know, your friends are there and uh, just getting, I mean, getting to Colorado, I shed a tear and I got a little emotional when I saw my first yucca plant crossing into Colorado from Kansas. And that's when I realized I was actually in the West and I, I knew I was still far away from home and I saw the Rockies in front of me in the desert, but it, it didn't matter. I'm like, the beer is better. The burritos are better. I'm getting to my neck of the woods. I, you know, I have friends in Colorado. It, it was just a really cool moment. And then, you know, eventually getting into San Diego, it was, uh, gosh, and you've finished some big bike rides and stuff. So, you know, the feeling, but it's just, um, it's a mix of emotions. Cause you're super happy to be there. My mom was there. My stepmom was there. A big group of my friends they even drove out the night before to, to meet me at a place called Hakumba hot springs. It's a little, just a little hot springs in Eastern San Diego that the, uh, it's the Southern tier takes you through there. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. We had a big dinner together and checked out the, the hot springs and pool and we had beers and stuff it was a lot of fun and then but the next day you know everybody's like all right so when are you going to end and as you know on a bicycle you can't judge that you know you're like well within between one and four p.m you know like, <laughs> exactly yeah depending on, depending on how many flat tires and headwinds and all that yeah it's, it's all my friends so i wanted to end right on the u.s mexico border at this place called the international friendship park uh if you if you surf and you're from san diego it's imperial beach and it's even south of there um, on the other side of the Tijuana sloth, there's a little outlet there and there's a dirt road that takes you in. And a few of my friends actually were driving up. There's four of them driving up at the exact same time as I came in and I, I, I drafted behind them for the last like two miles. <laughs> and then I, you get there and it was, uh, you couldn't believe it. You know, you're kind of like all of a sudden you, you've been working towards this huge project, this huge, uh, mission to get across the States and you kind of, you're not prepared at least I wasn't. I, I didn't have a plan for afterwards. So it was kind of like this almost postpartum, you know, after a couple of days after, it's like a postpartum kind of depression almost. And I, maybe it happens. Definitely. I, I think it happens probably with a lot of individuals. Um, I listened to an interesting podcast on uh, Wild Ideas Worth Living with Shelby Stanger. It was really good with, so she's from San Diego and my a mutual friend of my friend Pete. And she had interviewed, I think, Alex Honnold. And he was talking about doing, you know, his big climb. But he had other goals on beyond that. But 
sometimes if you don't have a goal after your big goal or something next, you're kind of, you're kind of, uh, at, you're at a loss. You're like, what do I do next? You know? And I luckily, I mean, I had the John Muir trail coming up three weeks later. I had permits. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to go hike the John Muir trail. But, um, you just kind of feel at loose ends, you know, you, you have a lot of fun, you know, and I had all these grand ideas when I was on my bike ride, I'll be, I'll be applying for jobs. I'll be doing this. That's all out the window. You know, you're just trying to, that's so true. That's good. You said that. Yeah. You're, you're trying to eat enough food, drink enough water and just not get hit by a car or <laughs> whatever, you know, you're, you're really consumed with doing nothing all day. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. You know, and you, you have these little processes that, you know, and even, you know, as you pull your bike into the campsite at the end of the day, you unpack in a certain way and you fill your water bottles up and you start cooking food or rehydrating your dinner or whatever your, your, you know, your little routine is. It's like this full routine. This episode is also sponsored by CS Instant Coffee, 100% Arabica coffee with compostable packaging. And you can find them at csinstant.coffee and use Adventure at checkout for 20% off. Yeah, and it, 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 you don't think it's much, but it kind of just consumes your thoughts, consumes your day, your you're very present, at least I was, and I would think about the future, but not necessarily take action, just kind of imagine it and let my imagination run wild and enjoy that, but not make plans. Right, exactly. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was kind of, it was really neat and uh, amazing feeling to finish the bike ride. My buddy, one of my good friends in San Diego, he's like, because I was really close to 5,000 miles. He's like, oh, you blew it. Like, you, you only went 4,750. He's like, you should have gone to Mexico. Keep going. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, it was just a bit of banter with the boys and stuff. But um, I, I keep on thinking about him. Like, what's the next trip? I, I met a really incredible guy. His name's Kyle Hughes. Anyways, he's from South Africa. And he was biking across the United States. And we, we crossed Kansas together. And I'm like, hey, since we got a headwind, why don't we team up? for this week that, cause he was going to, he was doing the, uh, what is it called? The Trans Am. He was doing the traditional Trans Am yeah. from, uh, Oregon to Virginia, I believe. And I was doing kind of a hodgepodge of different, um, adventure cycling routes. So I was on the Trans Am at that point and I linked up with a couple other bikers and him and I were kind of biking at the same speed. So we would do a mile and a mile. So I would ride for a mile and then I would draft behind him and we would swap, you know, a little drafting, um, a little mini pace line, if you will, you know, listening to music and stuff. So he was cool. Um, but the point of the story was I ended up meeting up with him. He's still biking around the world. He's now, he just finished, I can never say it correctly in Spanish, but it's like the Cartela Austral. It's like the whole length of Chile. It's a beautiful bike ride. Uh, he finished that and I linked up with him after I was done with the O-Trek. And so we were just kind of reliving some of the stories from last summer and um, he was headed off to do a, a bike ride across the Andes, you know, and then I was headed over to Nepal. So you just never know who you're going to meet. Yeah, it's just cool. He's still going, you know, he's still biking. <laughs> you know, I finished my ride and then I was following him along. I'm like, this guy is incredible. He just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, those people you, you meet when you go out there, you'll meet people that make it a lifestyle for like a decade or at least a year or more in they just make you feel like you've done nothing. But at the same time, you're so intrigued. Like, wow. I, I mean, I can't imagine the mindset of knowing I'm out here for a year or more. Totally inspiring. And and, and then just chatting with him when we were together on our time in Patagonia. Um, he's, I'm like, so what's your next trip? What are you thinking? 
you know, and he's like, oh, I might do a bike trip around Norway. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm kind of like, that wasn't even on my radar. And then you, you're like, well, I own the bike and I have the panniers. Um, let's do this. You know, so I mean, it's nothing's been planned yet, but it's just, like I said, there's another idea, right? Another epic kind of bike ride around a beautiful location up in Norway. Uh, anyways. So, so did your trail or did your bike legs transition well to trail legs for the John Muir trail? Very well. <laughs> <laughs> good. And, good. <laughs> and, 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 and any hard days on the, on the Muir trail, I would just kind of reflect back to hard days on the, the bike. And you're like, well, you made it through that hard day on the bike. So you could kind of use that same, <laughs> same push to get through that, that next day. You know, if it happens to be, you know, a really poor weather or whatever it might be, you know? Yeah. And you don't get to enjoy the downhills as much. I know that. Definitely not. I actually prefer whenever I'm hiking, it's, oh, I love uphill and then coming down, it's always that pounding on your knees, you know? Oh, but those downhills on the bike, there's, there's nothing. Oh, there's nothing better on a nice warm day out in the desert to descend for like a good five, six miles. Oh, oh but then you got to climb that, back so, up. <laughs> oh, always. Right. When, it's all, what are the, what's the saying? It's all downhill from here on up. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. <laughs> uh, man. So you, I listened, like I mentioned, I listened to your story about death Valley this morning and I, I, I had nothing as extreme as that with the temperature, but I got, there were some pretty warm temps because coming diagonally across the United States, you're, you're starting, you can't start too early in Maine because of the weather, right? So if you exactly. start you know, you're going to have snow and then the middle is okay, but it's starting to get pretty warm in Missouri and some of the other States as you get a little further South, but then the real kind of wild card and the actual part where it's probably more dangerous, as you really pointed out in that death Valley segment is the Sonoran desert, uh, Utah, like near barriers, um, Canyonlands, this whole kind of region where, you know, temperatures could soar up to 115, 120. You don't know, you know, you're having pretty decent elevation gains. And there, there's one day that stood out to me, and it was this day that I had thought about for a long time because I, I was pretty planned out. I had a Garmin with all the adventure cycling routes on there, and I knew my elevation gains. But it was a 130-mile day from Blanding, Utah to Hanksville. And there's this little town called Height at the very northernmost part of Lake Powell, and nobody knows, like, there was no way to call this store, which I just found absolutely incredible. There was no way to call this place. I think it was run by the Park Service. But they sell Gatorade and they little sandwiches and ice creams. But it's used to service uh, the boaters, the, the fishermen and the recreational boaters on Lake Powell. Um, that's 80 miles in. And then you still have another 50 miles to continue on to Hanksville, which is when you have to climb out of the, the kind of ditch that, that Lake Powell is down in. So you have a decent elevation gain as well. So this kind of day is sitting there. I'm thinking about it a lot and I end up, you know, I'm in Blanding. I have a huge carb, carb dinner. You know, you're having like a huge pasta with a side of bread, a whole bowl of butter, you know, whatever kind of carbs you could get in you. And then I'd probably have 12 to 15 liters of water with me. And from that point, I'm like, this is going to be insane. I end up waking the, I started doing these really early mornings in the desert, kind of like you were talking about waking up at one with your, your wristwatch. I would wake up at two or three in the morning and be on the bike riding by three thirty with a really bright uh, headlight I had on there. And uh, the, like I said, you're going eighty miles, and I get to this place where it's a turnoff two miles off the road, and you're like, ah oh, man, is it even worth going to check it out? Because that's two miles each way. That's four miles. It's going to add to a really long day. 
So I was like, it's worth it. If it is open, it's going to be worth it. So I, I go down there and sure enough, luckily it is, it's open, have a couple Gatorades, have a couple tuna wraps that I just made that I brought along. And uh, the guy starts saying, Hey, so, you know, and I was feeling good, you know, I was feeling good at this point. Um, he's like, you could, you could crash here. You could hang out in the air conditioning and then you could set your tent up over there and then you could continue on in the morning. That's what most bikers are doing. And I'm like, no, I think I'm going to, I'm going to continue on to, to Hanksville. You know, and at that moment, you're thinking to yourself, I feel good. I'm fine. You know, I have plenty of water. And so I did. I felt good. I got out of there. Temperatures, I think, were getting up to like 113 that day. I had, at least my Garmin said 113. So I guess it was approximately that, that temp, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. And then you start climbing out and, you know, you're just slamming water. I had music going. I had a little Bluetooth speaker that would give me some motivation. And then, sure enough, I got my first flat tire of the entire trip on my longest oh day. My so. <laughs> I had a huge staple through my back tire, no shoulder, and then there was these huge trucks coming by pulling those really big kind of, um, I don't know if you've ever been to Lake Powell, but they have these huge boats out there, big recreational boats, pontoon boats and stuff. So these trucks were flying by. One guy, really nice, stopped and made sure I was fine. And I said, yep, I'm all good. You know, I had, uh, you know, I had my hand pump and extra tubes and all that, but it was really nice having them stop. But I think about, this is tw- that was 20 miles outside of Hanksville building into that so 10 miles out that's when the headwind starts and that's when you're really starting to kind of you know go into this mental state where you're kind of bonking slash talking to yourself and then the heat's kind of playing with you and it's three in the afternoon and you've been on the bike since four in the morning and i would i would be biking along and i'd be like all right andy well you can't sleep there can you you know and you know you're looking at a a patch of dirt yeah you could but it's too hot you know and you're like well there's no cold drinks there you know you keep on thinking about it a cold Coke or a cold beer at the end of the ride, you know, a little treat or an ice cream or anything to keep you going. And I, you're just talking to yourself, you can't stop here. And then you've probably know this as well, just from cycling and hiking so much. You kind of know when you hit that point where you're like, I need food or I need electrolytes. You just know that your body's craving that. Yeah, you're gonna and bonk. I knew what I had with, uh, I knew what I had with me and I had these packs of tuna, you know, I mean, they're, they're amazing. They're all the different flavors and stuff. You could do it with a tortilla. And I had this, uh, it was so gross. The pack of tuna was probably 115 degrees. You know, my water was 115 degrees. And I'm standing there, I'm six miles outside of my destination. So I knew I was going to make it, but I had a headwind and I'm so hungry. But if I didn't stop and eat at that point, I would have bonked really hard. <laughs> so I'm eating this hot tuna, you know, the wind's blowing in your face. You've had a really long day. And I finally got to this hotel and the woman's, it was talking about, like you said earlier, people are wondering, where did you come from? And I said, oh, I came from Blandin, you know, and she's like, you are kidding me. You know, she's like freaking out. And she, she was a wonderful lady. She, I, I got a hotel that night. Of course, I, I was like, I got to get air conditioning. I got to recover from this. Um, but yeah, it was uh, an incredible day and I was able to recover and keep biking the next day. But that, that was my day that stood out in my head, kind of like your Death Valley day <laughs> without temperatures as high. The area, I mean, not the same area, but that area that you were in. Highway 95, man. I, I've been on that road once, but I, I was not. I didn't go south of Hanksville, where you were coming from. From height, that is an empty. That's some empty country right there, man. That is back. That is <laughs> out of the way of lots of things. I mean, the Google the Google Street View from that road is from ten <laughs> years ago. So they don't they don't get out there much. <laughs> exactly. It was it was so that that part of the. That's actually a part of the route from Adventure Cycling Association called the Great Western Express. And so that actually 
actually it's supposed to take you, I think, up through Nevada and then onwards. I believe it ends in San Francisco. Uh, but I cut off from there at the Grand Canyon connector. And that's when I started heading down to the Grand Canyon, Sonoran Desert. The monsoons are kicking in in Arizona. I mean, the whole desert was just people asked, oh, the Rockies must be the hardest part because, I mean, it's the biggest mountain chain that you cross. And I'm like, to tell you the truth, either the East Coast with the endless hills because they would crush your soul. You would be like, I'm doing fine and well good. And you come over another hill, then another hill, <laughs> and then another hill. You just start laughing. Yeah. Yourself. It's like, this can't be real. <laughs> yeah. There's just, and they're steep too. Yeah. Very steep. I, I, I would never recommend anybody in the middle of summer. I would, if I ever did that again, I would never do it in the summer. <laughs> yeah. I'll never do it again in the summer. That's for sure. It almost Cause heat, heat stroke can build up over days and days. You know, it's, uh, it can compound on itself. So each day it kind of chips away at you rather than all at once. So, you know, if you're out there for a long time in the desert in the summer, it's a surefire way to get yourself killed. Honestly, I know. I mean, that's, that's where I ended up getting more hotels in that region of the U S cause I was, I just needed AC. I was too hot. I was like, I got a AC and I would sit in like a cold shower and even the funniest thing was you'd pull up – I started doing this out of Missouri actually. There was a couple of sections where you're in Missouri going up these hills and the sun's baking down on you and you're, you're kind of near the Ozarks. So it's quite a bit of climbing and you feel like you're in a microwave. <laughs> like the humidity is so high. There's no wind. Yeah. You're going up a hill. You're, like, you're counting your pedal, stre- your pedal strokes. You're like, I think it's going to be 300 pedal strokes to the top of this hill and that just take your mind off it. You're like, okay, I'm going to get up there. And then you finally get to a gas station – and if you've ever been out there, they have these things called beer caves. And a beer cave is just a big walk-in cooler. So middle of the day, I would go into these gas station convenience stores, and I would go stand in the beer cave and drink a huge Gatorade and have an ice cream. And I was able to bring my temperature back down and made it really more bearable. But that was kind of like – that was saving me, I'll tell you. And I got some really weird looks. People are like, what is this guy doing? And I would tell the front desk clerk or the clerk – you know, I'm eating, like, I'm in the back of their store and I'm sitting there having a couple Snicker bars, bag of Cheetos, whatever it is. And I'm like, hey, I'll keep all the, the trash and we can just check out at the end because I don't know how much I'm going to eat. You know, instead of keep on ringing it up, you know, and wasting your time, I'll just hold on to all my, <laughs> my, my trash. You know, I'm like, here's two empty Gatorades. You know, it was just, it was really funny. You know, people, people got a kick out of it. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's refreshing too, man. So, after that experience, um, and you ta- you've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, having things ready or having things to do after a big experience like that, uh, you mentioned a little bit about wanting to uh, start a local hiking company. Could you tell us a little bit about what that's looking like and what are your hopes and, and dreams with that? Okay, so, uh, yeah, I'm touching on that. This I brought my computer on this trip, and that's what I'm chatting to you on now over here in Nigeria, but... I had all these ideas. I'm like, I'm going to be building my website while I'm abroad. And once again, it's been such an intense trip, either without internet or no opportunities to actually sit down and start working creatively on a website because it's just you're doing your own logistics or you're on a hike or you're recovering from this or you're on a flight or whatever. But um, so I haven't got a lot of work done on it yet. Um, but the idea is trying to get just trying to get people out locally, starting local, starting small in San Diego to check out the trails. The idea would be once a month you receive like a little PDF email or, or you know, if there was an app, which uh, maybe in the future there will be, but you know, quite a bit of work going into apps and stuff. And it just says, Hey, Hey Mason, you know, here's your hike for the month. 
you know, um, here, here's like all the history behind the hike. Maybe here's the, the weather predicted for that time. Here's what you should pack. Here's a GPX track for it. You could follow it on your phone. Um, when you get to the, the top, I mean, we have like, just for an example, there's a little hike in San Diego called Cowles Mountain. They go up Cowles Mountain, snap a selfie or you and your friends, throw it on social media, tag us in it, and then you'd be in the monthly drawing to win um, whatever, you know, whatever it might be. So you could hopefully get some sponsors to get behind you. And then, you know, win, you know, whatever, a hydro flask or a little hat or something, you know, do like one for uh, one, one for guys, one for girls. So that'd be kind of the idea just to kind of motivate people, give them free information to help them just get out. And then the way I would kind of sustain it myself and help pay for my own work would just be through affiliate marketing and uh, maybe advertising space if we got a big enough following. So that'd be one aspect of the, the website. And it would be all free to the customer or the, to anybody. And the idea would be just to get out and see some of the local stuff. You know, people are busy, people have kids, and sometimes people do have to plan even a really small day hike a week or two or three out. So it'd give you a, a whole month to get that hike done, and it would be kind of burning in the back of your pocket, like, oh, I got the email, I got to get out there, I got to do it this, got to go next weekend, or, you know, tell your, your honey, be like, hey, honey, we got we to gotta go, like, I got to do this hike, you know. Anyway, so that was one idea. Um, made a little bit of progress on it so far. I have a site started, but nothing, nothing, uh, to share as of now, but hopefully it comes together soon. <laughs> and, uh, the other would also be helping to build trips internationally to some of these locations like Patagonia or Nepal and really walking through individuals. Let's say there's a community in California, San Diego, where I'm from, you know, a lot of people go outdoors. A lot of people dream about going to these places, but it's a lot of work. You got to think about the visas. You got to think about the packing. You got to think about the trails, the conditions, the time of year. So if you already know that, you could really walk them through the whole process. And there's a few other organizations that charge really a lot of money, almost too much, to do some of the hikes that I think could be done for a lot less uh, and get people out and seeing some new trails in other parts of the world that maybe they dreamed about, but never thought they could do but they really could. They just need to set aside some time and have some coaching and guidance on how to pack, how to do it. Um, I don't know if I would go along with them on that trip or just be their kind of personal coach and be there or do it even via Skype or something. But that would be another service that I would love to, to sell or to offer to people just from my own personal experiences and adventures. Even the John Muir Trail, you know, a lot of people, even the permit system for the John Muir Trail is so convoluted and hard to figure out if you had somebody walk you through it you'd be like thank you so much <laughs> yeah we need I, I want to talk a little bit after the uh the interview's done but let me ask one quick quick question and we'll wrap up okay okay so how, how can people keep in touch with you to find out more about what these businesses are going to turn into and how can people follow you personally uh best way to do it i'm kind of geared off facebook i still have it but probably instagram my Instagram is stout, like my last name, and then about, just all one word, stout about. And um, I have a couple things on there. I have a link to my video, my cross-country cancer awareness video is on there. There's a link. I, it's about 20 minutes long, so if you're maybe cooking dinner, or <laughs> it's a, it's kind of a long one, but I don't want to make it any shorter. I don't want to cut anything out, but it was a lot of fun putting that together. So if you got 20 minutes and you want to check out some of that adventure across the United States, uh, you could hop on there. Um, like I mentioned, uh, Instagram, uh, mostly for connections. And I, sadly enough, I had to take down the website. It was usstoutride.org. So, uh, the hosting fees were just too much to keep it going. 
for another year or two. So I decided to take it down, but all the information could be pretty much yeah, on my Instagram or uh, you can reach out to me. Actually, yeah, just probably the best best way to kind of get, get a hold of me. If you direct message me, if any questions or anything from there, then as I kind of get these businesses put together, I will be making you know posts or comments on there, kind of letting people know what I'm doing, as well as uh, Facebook. But Facebook will also link back to Instagram because it's a little business account. Uh, man, I also wanted to mention, and we kind of mentioned, we talked about it a little earlier, just talking about uh, motivation and um, keeping just, I don't know, some kind of activity every day. So even if you're not doing a huge adventure, if you, even if you go out for a walk in your neighborhood or a two-mile run or something, my friends and I, and I mentioned like this group of friends in San Diego, we're, we're always on, I don't know if you ever use Strava, but it's a, it's a fun app and it kind of like motivates you. You see one of your friends be like, oh man, like you went out for a two-mile run and whatnot. So um, if anybody wants to follow along, I'm just Andy Stout on Strava there and a fun way to kind of see what other people are doing. And actually my whole bike ride is on Strava as well. So if you're actually curious about the really ins and outs and details of the route, you could all be found on that as well. Oh, that's awesome. That's actually, that's going to be great for you to look back on too. Oh man, it's the funnest. And like I said, nerding out with some of the numbers, you're, you you can't believe it. You're like, oh, I climbed that much. Or, you know, you look at distances or uh, you can see, you know, others that have come by. Sometimes I've done a section of road that I never knew a friend went by, but it tells you, oh, such and such friend did this. And 2012, you know, and you're just like, that's so cool. And you can shoot your friend a message and be like, hey, I did that same section of road. It was really pretty. And uh, just, just a lot of neat stories with it. That's awesome, man. That's I, I didn't know Strava did that. I, I use Strava periodically, but not super consistently. But thank you. And thanks for doing this. And uh, tell your mom hello. And y'all, you have a great time. And thank you again, man. This was great. All right, man. Have a good day. I'll talk to you. I'll, All right. I'll talk to you later. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Bye. All right. See ya. Well, first of all, thank you so much for listening to this episode. It really means the world to us that you want to spend your time with us. If you'd like to help us further, please just leave us a review on iTunes, share us on social media, tell your friends about us. You can become a patron, a supporter of the show for $5 a month at patreon.com slash Podcast. And if you know somebody that would make a good guest, reach out. We're always looking for good adventure and outdoor stories. And lastly, thank you to our sponsors whose messages follow right now. Athletic Brewing makes the best non-alcoholic craft beer. Go to their website at athleticbrewing.com and use the code in our show notes to save 15% on your first order. After all this adventure talk, if you're needing some gear yourself, but you need some advice before buying, go to backpacktribe.com where you can ask questions to the owners who have experience with all the gear as well as all of it for sale right there on their website.